0: Welcome to Houser Community Church Online. Let's join pastor as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and unpacks the Word of God for us. After the message, we'll tell you how to contact us.
1: Lord, we also pray for our state, Lord, as we get ready to um, move into another election um, coming up, Lord, and we're filling out ballots. Lord, I pray you tr- help us to trust that, that we know you're in control of all things. Lord, and that you are putting in place the people that that um, you feel to put in place, Lord. It is your control. And so I thank you for that. I pray that you help us to be wise and trust you more and more in your faithfulness every day and that we just might um, be confident in that. Lord, locally, I'm thankful for the unity among the churches, and I'm thankful that you are at work here in Coos County. And Lord, I pray that you just... Um, Continue to do so, Lord, help your body grow together and um, represent you well, Lord, uh, this Friday night, uh, upcoming prayer meeting. Lord, I pray that you be glorified. I pray that um, that your word go out um, and that you just help us to faithfully live our lives in such a way um, that represents you well. Lord, we pray for the local bodies as they proclaim your word today, Lord, that um, they just do so effectively, and that they draw people to a relationship with you. And Father, personally, Lord, I pray um, for Hauser Community Church. Lord, I pray that you help us, those that are dealing with loss, Lord, that you might comfort so many people that are dealing with sickness and disease, Lord, that you might continue to work. Help us to know that you're in control of all things. Lord, just give people strength as they continue to try to... uh, Just persevere through sicknesses and families and um, just be with us today as we continue to open your word as Pastor Bill comes and delivers it. Lord, I pray for clarity and I just pray that you help us to grow in our relationship with you, help us to leave here differently than when we came. Lord, we do thank you and we praise you and we just dedicate this day to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Kids, you're released for Kids Church. And thank you, Pastor Bill.
0: Thank you, Elder Tim. morning church. Good morning. I love saying that. I especially love it when Polly says it. it. Just warms my heart. Pastor is away and he was not able to be here. We had a scheduled speaker and unfortunately that scheduled speaker is dealing with COVID in his house. So if you pray for Mike and Rhoda, um, I'm certain that they would appreciate it. I get the opportunity to speak to you this morning about our purpose, who we are, why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing. Interesting thing, uh, some of you may know this, some of you may not, this week, today, actually, is... National Police Officers Memorial Day. Um, so this is the day, uh, back in I think 67, um, President then Kennedy, I could, I could have the dates wrong anyway, he declared this day, uh, the day to remember the fallen of our uh, police officers who, um, who have given their lives in ultimate sacrifice to protect You and I. And we've seen some of that uh, around here. I don't know if you guys remember Gil Dayton. Uh, Gil Dayton was a friend of mine. I worked with him in another police department as a chaplain uh, and as a bailiff. And it's unfortunate when somebody you work with uh, loses their life. There have been a few others uh, around here. Um, So if you would remember them in your uh, prayers, Uh, the families that are left. Uh, Not only the families themselves, but the families of the agencies they work for. This also initiates the week. It's called Police Week. So if you have an opportunity to speak to some of our police officers, who um, there are a few that attend this church, um, you might say, hey, thanks. Um, I appreciate them. I I work with the police very closely closely and, um, and I'm here to tell you uh, I get to see what they see and they are underappreciated uh, very much for what they do and yet they still stand much like our soldiers in the gap. They hold back the tides of things so that we are not affected. So if you would uh, remember them. The um, so pastor asked a few days ago if somebody could step up. And I said, yes, um, but it'll be a short message. (laughs) See, y'all knew that I was going to bring that in somehow. (laughs) If you're like me, and I assume, I know some of you, so I know you are like me in that respect. Uh, If you're like me, you have... uh, occasions, where you would say, why? How come? Why me? Why didn't you do it this way? Why, why did you do this to me? Why did you choose to take them? Why did you do this? Why? Joanne Holder, a very close friend of mine, um, very close to the time that she went home to be with the Lord, she said to me, She actually called me up to the hospital. Come here. Sit down. I sat down on the bed next to her. I want to know why he hasn't taken me yet. (laughs) I'm "I'm done. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I said, I know you are, and I have no idea why. (laughs) But it's his timing. So let me, one of the things that I tend to do, uh, some of you guys, if you, if you, or in my Sunday school class, you'll know this. I tend to use phrases that I expect you to respond back when I say them. So, um, faith comes by hearing and... Thank you very much. <clears throat> um, to whom much is given, much is required. These are all things that are, should be plugged into who you are. They should be in the back of your mind. So, let me have you do, uh, do, it, do me a favor. Take off your human glasses, right? Meaning, not necessarily these, but take off the, your thinking with human eyes. Take those off and set those aside. And put on the spiritual. And I want you to repeat after me. God is God. And I am not. Right? Say that again. God is God. And I am not. And what I want you to do is I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to plug that into your mind so that every time when you've got your human glasses on, when you're looking at the world through your own eyes, when you're looking at the world through your own heart, that that flag will come up and it'll go, hang on a second, God is God and I am not. We often, often think and do and act by the power of this humanness, right? Unfortunately, that gets us in trouble a good percentage of the time. <clears throat> and I'm, uh, I know I'm not alone. Um, as I read through the scripture, both Old Testament and New, I hear things like what's in Isaiah 40, 13. It says, who of you gave counsel to God when he created this. Who gave him wisdom? Right? Who of you gave him wisdom? And when you think about it, that should positionally put you back on the beach in front of a huge ocean by yourself going, okay, I know where I stand type of thing. Not that you're completely and utterly insignificant, but that you are in proper position. Who is God? Not you. His wisdom is far greater than our wisdom. His purity, his trust, all those things are far greater than ours. And oftentimes in our own ability to judge the situation, we'll look at God and say, why did you do it that way? How, how, how come... How come You didn't do it the way I thought it was supposed to happen. And we do that a great deal. Well, Let's see if the Holy Spirit can revolutionize your life in this idea. I mean, obviously, I think the Holy Spirit can do anything he wants, being God, right? But to revolutionize your thinking. So in the programming idea of of God is God and I am not, I have... I write some of those things down in my Bible. I use those things that come up all the time. As I'm thinking through and I'm judging with my own mind, all of a sudden those little phrases will come up. Mark and I share, Mark Pape and I share one that um, it's not about me, but I am the problem, right? This world's not about me. It's about me serving God. It's about me serving others. But I am the problem that gets in the way. I'm the one that stops it from happening. Why? Because I'm thinking through my own humanness. I'm looking at the world through my own human eyes. When you encounter somebody who says there is no God, you could simply ask them the question, "Uh, do you know everything? I mean, the the obvious question or the obvious answer to that is no. No. You don't know everything. In the vastness of what the universe is, you don't know everything. And they would have to, I don't care, the greatest scientist would have to submit to that question. Right? Then you ask the question, if you don't know anything, if you don't know everything, is there a possibility then what you don't know that there actually is a God? And the answer is yes. Regardless of the intelligence behind it. In what they don't know, there's a possibility that there really truly is a God. Is it possible there's a God? Is it possible that he really is who he says he is? Right? As we see the word of God before us and we hear and read and understand, is it possible that he actually is who he says he is? And as you grow and you understand by faith and you continue to grow, you understand that the truth is it is possible, and in fact, it is true that He really is who He says He is. See, you're looking at the world in human understanding, but maybe, just maybe, in our thinking, in our selfish, limited thinking, we cannot see that just maybe there is a god and that he is so huge so big so powerful so smart so pure so loving and so perfect that he really does deserve the adoration of his creation when i've said multiple times and i continue to say this visio dei your picture of god your vision of god the greater your picture of the Father, the more likely you are to walk in him. The bigger you see who he is, the more you know about how he behaves and the character of who he is, the more likely you are to follow him. Visio Dei, your vision of God. if you would let's go to you can't even see that can you? I can see it. Our text today is taken from Ephesians chapter 1 excuse me 2 verse 10 and there's in the pew backs the pew Bibles that are in the back of the seats that's on page 1160 and uh, if you do not have a Bible, you can use that. And if you do not have a Bible at home and you would like to keep one, you're welcome to take that one with you. We'll just get more. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. See, I believe our author is saying that God created you to do his good work to glorify him. Your sole purpose on the face of this earth, even before you were a child of God, was intended to bring praise and glory to the Father. In your bulletins, as you'll uh, if you open those up in the regular bulletin, there's a fill-in-the-blank. This is the yellow is the fill-in-the-blank for this particular thing, but I want you to note in the bulletin itself the portion on the left that says notes, which I gave you a lot of room for notes assuming that I was going to speak a lot so you'd have to take a lot. Who knew? <laughs> Think about this. So, hear this real clearly in your own mind. It's on this piece of paper, so you can take it home, you can cut it out, you can put it, paste it inside your Bible, whatever, but think about this. When we lose the focus of our purpose, of our lives, we are less than what God intended. In fact, I would say, when we lose the focus, of the purpose of our lives, we are less than what God intended us to be, and ultimately, it can be seen as something else. So again, God created you to do His good work, to glorify Him. You, um, yeah, Dr. Larry Crab is one of my uh, textbooks teachers in Bible college. Uh, He wrote a book called Effective Biblical Counseling. He is a, a doctor, a psychologist. He's got like umpteen zillion books. In his particular book called Finding God, he writes this statement. Whenever you place a higher priority on solving our problems than on pursuing God, we are immoral. And let me let me uh, trade out one word uh, on that. The immoral, as you would know, would actually be defined as evil. We would probably, and he is a psychologist and a book, writing a book. I would imagine he chose to use that word to be uh, less than um, harsh. That word could be traded out as sinners, sinful. So whenever we place a higher priority on our problems or solving our issues or our desires or um, rather than pursuing God we're being sinners. We're raising ourselves up as more important. Again, God created you to do his good work to glorify him When we lose the focus on our own purpose of our lives we are less than what we were created to be we're less than what we exist for so when you ask that question why am i here the answer coming back should simply be to glorify god the westminster short catechism first question on that says What is the chief end of man? Some of you guys know the answer to that. It's to know and glorify God. Right? That used to be one of the main... You guys may not even know this. That used to be actually one of the main questions that was in the public school system readers for kids before first grade. They learned that. They memorized that in the public school system back in the 1800s. Some of you know my testimony and some of you don't. So let me give you the short version of it. (laughs) Come on, you know, I'm going to sneak this stuff in, you know? Well, that wasn't kind of sneaky, but. In 1772, John Newton wrote a song. He wrote it in 79. It was published, but you know it as Amazing Grace. His testimony was that he was once lost, but he had been found, that he was blind, that now he sees. There was a point at which he had to deal with the Holy Spirit, and God had to put him in the position that he would say to him, you need me, and he would have to answer. In 1981, God did the very same thing to me. I was sitting at a a counter in a donut shop, and uh, somebody had got up and walked out, and I was in the very darkness and blackness of my heart. I yelled out this, that's your typical Jew uh, type of thing, and God chose through another young man uh, who was uh, witnessing... To me about Jesus, he said, Hey Bill, across the room. I said, Yeah. He said, Jesus was a Jew. And simple words, simple situation, but God chose to take my heart and split it open and show me the center of who I was. And you know what I saw? Nothing but blackness. Complete and utter, void. anything and it was at that very moment that I knew that I had a need for a Savior well Paul speaks about that today as James read earlier in Galatians he he talks about his testimony and that testimony being that he was on the road and this is in Acts chapter 9 if you want to read the actual happening in both Galatians and Ephesians he talks about his testimony Uh, and what he effectively says, I once was lost. You heard him say it this morning in the scriptures. He was so busy chasing after the laws and the traditions of his people that he didn't even understand that he was messing with the very religion and God that he thought he was serving. And the father smacks him to the ground, gets his attention, blinds him, says, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who are you? I am Jesus. I am the one you persecute. Now, you're probably not going to have the same type of Damascus experience. But I'll tell you that that testimony is the same as my testimony when I stood before God and God said to me, look at your heart. Look who you are. See, see what you're like? There's nothing, nothing good in you. That wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It was a true thing. It was the truth. And I needed to see Jesus. Paul wasn't like any of the other apostles. It, happened, it, have, it had to happen the way it did simply because that's what it required to get his attention so that he would serve him the way God had intended before the foundations of the earth. As you heard the scriptures read in, in uh, Galatians chapter 13 and four, verse 13 and 14 of that chapter, he says, I was lost. I was so busy, so, so zealous in my traditions and the people and the laws that I couldn't even see the truth. In chapter f- verses 15 and 16, he got the conversion. He, re- God, he recognized that God had called him for a reason. In 17 through 24, it was a purpose. And that purpose was that all people, that all of this was because God knew that people would come to know him and praise him because of what he had done in Paul. And I would tell you that you have exactly the same purpose. And while it may not be as massively written about, you still have that same purpose. See, I believe the author is saying that God created you to do his good works, to glorify him. I was lost. That's the old life. I was saved. That's the new life. And I'm becoming more than I actually am. In what God is doing to me, through me, with me. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Both in Ephesians and Galatians, it said that he knew you before the foundations of the earth. And chose you to bring you about, predestined you, called you, glorified you made you righteous with his own righteousness. Jesus said in John 15, as he's talking to a number of different people as they're going through uh, this whole situation about uh, who he is and who they are, he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you. And as you read both in Jeremiah and the Old Testament and the New Testament, you're going to see that the father before the foundations of the earth, before he created all of this, that he knew who you are and how you would behave. And the things, not only you, but the person sitting next to you and the person that all through your life that's coming across your path. He knew that very thing. And he predestined it. He ordained it. He called it. He said, that's mine. I'm going to use that child. I'm going to use them to bless this person over here when they're 13, when they're 20, when they're 25, and in their last breaths. I'm going to use them to bless their family. Right? God knew. And that was all before he spoke things into existence. Right? He chose. I knew you before you were formed in the womb, Jeremiah 1.5. John 15.16 says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Why? To bear fruit, to do work, to do what I intended you to do. Ephesians 1.5, if we take a look at um, chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. And actually, I'll start in 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and on. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, and in the heavenly, heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the earth. Did you catch that? Even as he chose us before the foundations of the earth, or the world, that he should that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose. of of his will. He chose us. He wanted us. He desired us to the praise and glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. Whose blood? Jesus. And the forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us with all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him things in heaven and on earth. And it goes on Ephesians would be a really good book for you to spend time really going Father who am I with respect to you? Romans eight twenty nine says, For he knew the people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. That's you. Do you understand that? That's, that's you, your brothers and sisters to Jesus. He chose you on purpose on purpose the the all-knowing all-powerful purely perfect god of all creation chose you looked into his wisdom and said make that happen each one of you whether you're a child of his or not still true Amen. Even in our limited human logic, we know that this is true. Romans says that we are without excuse. We can look at all of creation and know that there is a God. And know that we have a responsibility. But we often put on our fire insurance card. We go to somebody, we say, hey, I'm a child of God, and we get our fire insurance card and we put it in our wallet, and then we go on about life, doing what we want to do according to our own desires and our own powers, <clears throat> our own anxieties. We get so busy and so stuck in the things around our lives that we forget that we were created. We were created To do his good works and to bring him glory. So we know this in our human logic. We get a a glimpse of this when we sit down and we actually spend the time to know and understand from scripture. that That we're without excuse. That there is a father. That there is a God. That we have a responsibility to respond to him in some way, some fashion. But as you begin to read and understand and know the word of God, it's more and more than just knowing that there is a God. It's about turning your life over to him. Scripture bears that out. Christ in his own words in Matthew 16 said, if you want to be my disciple, you want to follow after me, that you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross. You must follow me. So put your stuff aside, set that all aside and take up your cross. And I would tell you that that cross is the same thing as Hebrews 12:1 and 2, where it says, seeing we're encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? That race, that take up your cross, that race is the very same thing. It's the path that God has chosen. Let us run the race that is set before us. Who set it before us? God did. Split, tear off, take off, shed off your grave clothes. Right? Right? Shed off the things that you were dead in Jesus before, or in life, in human, and God came and gave you a new life, a new creation within you. Shed those off, the things that so easily beset you, that make you stumble, that weigh you down. Shed those off and do what? Run the race that is set before you. God has a plan for who you are and how you should behave. In fact, that plan was worked out before the foundations of the earth, as we read in Ephesians and Galatians. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. But as we begin to move through life and as we, the, the seed is planted in our hearts and we see and understand and know, man, I need to choose different colors. We begin to understand the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. you want your faith to grow? Be in the Word of God. Right? The more, Romans 15, 4 says, Whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scripture, might have hope. Right? Paul wrote that about Scripture. And I believe that he believed what he was writing was Scripture and was inclusive to that. So whatever was written beforehand, as we understand it, whatever was written beforehand was written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scripture, as we mull over, think through, ask the questions about it, study it, we might have hope. Who is that hope? Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus does love us.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Other places in the scripture uh, speak about that as we will talk about this particular scripture in just one moment. But 2 Peter 3.8 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. 1 Peter says, Set apart Christ as Lord. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Do it with gentleness and meekness. Make God God. Respond to him in every aspect of who he is and who you are. <clears throat> and people will see it and they'll ask you the question. Why are you so weird? Why do you behave that way? Why do you, why do, you do that? And then you'll have the opportunity to give your testimony. This is a great thing about Paul's testimony, my testimony, and even your testimony. You once were lost, you were found, and now you see. You see what? You see the way to live. You see the truth you should follow. And the life that you need to live with Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He's the way to go. He's the truth to follow. In John eight thirty two, the Lord said, you'll know the truth, and the, the truth will set you free. And then later on in 14, he says, I'm the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. I am the life. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. It says, So that we may no longer be children. Now hear these words real clearly. This is about growth. This is about all the things, the gifts you've been given. Just previous to this, he talks about whose gifts have been given to what and what are, they supposed to, what are they supposed to do. And as elders, we're to teach you to do the work of the ministry, right? With the gifts that you've got, that type of thing. Well, as you go on, later in that chapter, you see this portion of Scripture. It says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Hear that? The Bible's telling you to grow up. <laughs> 15. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Who's the head? Jesus grow up in every way to him. So as we look and see that particular portion of scripture, as we looked at chapter one, and you're here because God predestined you to be here, to, be, to bring glory uh, to him, uh, to do his good work, and then later in that, those chapters, it says that you are to grow up in every avenue that you possibly can, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you want to get your faith stronger, be in the word of God. Let me give you a little bit of a warning. At the risk of you guys saying, I'm not reading that. You can read the Bible. You should be reading the Bible as often as you possibly can. But here's the deal. You read it, it's going to change you. The more you read it, the more you understand, the more you pray, the more you hear the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. The more you become a child of God in sanctification, the more you look more and more like the Father. The more you look more and more like the Father, the more you're going to change. And what's going to happen is maturity is going to be the outcome of you living out your purpose. Maturity is going to be the outcome of you living out your purpose. Again, as you, as, as you often, you should often take off those human glasses and put on spiritual glasses or whatever you want to do in that thinking. But you should stop looking through the eyes of your humanness. Why? Because you are not human anymore. You are children of the Most High God. You are ambassadors of heaven, you bear a message. Jesus Christ himself said, seek first his kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, granted, the context of this is there were people that were anxiety-filled about food, shelter, and clothing. They were concerned about their life. In fact, they were so concerned that it was overwhelming them And God was saying, hang on a second. Have I not taken care of you? Have you not been provided for? Do I not take care of the lilies of the the field and the birds of the air? Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. You Look back at the words in uh, John 14 when he says, if you want to be my followers, you want to be my disciples, that you need to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Second Corinthians chapter five, if you'd turn there real quick. Second Corinthians chapter five. And I'm gonna start in verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and on. For the love of God controls us. Some of you might have it constrains us. If you ever receive an email from me, quite often you'll see the end before I put my name. You'll see me put the words in his grip. That is where this comes from. The love of God constrains me. The love of God controls me. That I'm so tightly in his grip. That I must do these things. I'm in his grip. It says for the love of God controls us. It compels us. It constrains us. Because we have. um, have, Because we have concluded this. That one has died for all. Therefore all have died. And he. Uh, he died for all, that they, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Now, I want you to hear that very clearly. That scripture says that he died for you. And the reason that he died for you was so that you would live for him. Amen. That you no longer would be the priority, right, in all that you do. That you'd be so bent on serving him that it it wouldn't matter what happens, whether or not you got food, shelter, or clothing, because the Father's going to provide for you, but that you would no longer, as the scripture says right there in 15, um, that those who live, that's you, those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for his sake died and was raised. And then it goes on down in 16, 17, uh, 18, it says, and all this from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself to give us the ministry of reconciliation. There's your job description, right? Not to live for yourself, but to live for God. And your job description is the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? Represents another country in the land that they are in. Who who are you representing? Christ. Christ. Heaven. You're heavenly ambassadors. You represent heaven here on earth. Don't forget God. Exactly. Therefore, we are ambassadors to Christ. You know it's interesting uh, a lot of people are like I, I I don't preach. I ambassador actually could be uh, be translated as little messengers or little preachers. Right, people who preach a message that message is from Christ and God, in appealing, uh, making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled uh, for our sake. He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. See, it's not that God gave you righteousness. God made you his righteousness. He took your old life, that dead, no good for nothing, grave clove covered body and traded it out. Right? With his righteousness. That's why he can look at you and he can see himself. That's why he can call you pure. He can look upon you as his child. Not counting their transgresses against them. So, ministry of reconciliation, we are ambassadors. We implore you. Those words really are. Um, your job is, with that message, is to beg. That's really, literally what it means. To beg somebody to come to know who God is. Please, please, no one understand who Jesus is. No one understand who God is. No one understand that the perfect God of all creation found a way to step on this earth and make you pure to take you back to eternity with him. 2010 uh, Pastor John Adams who is here uh, used a phrase that, that stuck with me heavily. And, and I played with it and played with it and played with it. But the phrase was, Christ came to live a life we should have lived. Amen. And I played with it and played with it until all of a sudden this came out. Christ lived a life that we should have lived to die a death that we should have died so that we can live an eternity we don't deserve because of a love we cannot buy. Do you hear that? That's the gospel. Christ came to live a life we should have lived. You know that to be true. He came to live a life we should have lived, to die a death that we should have died so we can live an eternity that we don't deserve because of a love we cannot buy. See, God created you to do his good work and to glorify him. There is only one God and he created you to give him glory. So let me share with you. If you don't know who this Christ is, if you don't understand the truth of the reality that God himself in the form of Jesus Christ stepped on this earth to die a death, raise out of the grave so that you could spend an eternity with him if you've never wrestled with that. Today is the day you hear that message. Today is the day that you should be responding to that message. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, as they said in... Um, Shawshank Redemption, get busy living or get busy dying. Because Jesus himself said, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either for me or you're against me. That's his own words. If you don't know him, we would love the opportunity to spend time with you to know and understand that so that you would know and understand that. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you. And we thank you for this day, for your love, for your mercy, for your pure truth that we could not bring up. but you paid a price for us that we couldn't afford. We couldn't pay. We couldn't do. And you saw that And you made a way. We ask, Lord, that you would change our lives so that we are your children, that we would know what our purpose is and that we would live for you so that people, that we ourselves and others would glorify you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Hauser Community Church Online. Check back next week for the next unpacking of the word of God. Please feel free to contact us with any questions you might have about the message or for pastor at area code 541-756-2591 or email us at pray at hauserchurch.org. Again, that's P-R-A-Y at H-A-U-S-E-R-C-H-U-R-C-H dot O-R-G. Our address is 69411 Wildwood Road, North Bend, Oregon, 97459. Remember, if you're seeking the truth, it will set you free. And that truth is Jesus Christ.